This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good to see you out here on Valentine's Day. Bless all of you. If you hadn't gotten your Valentine rose, our youth are selling these. So whoever blessed me with that, I really appreciate you thinking of me. That didn't happen, okay? Just put it up there. But you can do that. Hey, welcome all of you. If you hadn't encountered the Lord yet this morning, I believe you will. And I believe by the time we get here to the end of the service, we'll have an opportunity for you to connect with the miracle power of God. Because we've seen him move already this morning. So just keep your faith out there for that. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Get your hand up real high. And then once you've got a Bible, go with me to First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles 29. You'll go to the... the Samuels, the Kings, and right on into the Chronicles. You know, my prayer again is that we all catch the heart of God when it comes to the area of giving. And it's not like the commercial, what's in your wallet, it's literally what's in your heart. And oftentimes, selfishness is on the throne room of every one of our hearts. And so I got to get rid of that selfishness to say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going to take on your character and your nature in this and I will tell you this, even for the first years of my life as pastor, it's, it's very difficult at times to preach on this because a lot of people don't understand your motives behind it. But the biggest thing is I want you to see is this today. It's the Word of God, okay? It's the truth, and only the truth will set us free. You know, we like the truth in every area, so we might as well get it in money too. So we begin today, First Chronicles 29, verse 1. Furthermore, King David said to all this assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, he's young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. The temple, the house of God, is just not a place for man to meet man, but it's more so a place where God will meet with men. And so this passage here is a chart or a guideline of how to give. And what you will begin to see here is King David gives lavishly. I mean, it's incredible what he gives. Verse 3, verse 2. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might, not a little bit, with all my might, gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, Iron for iron, wood for wood, onyx stone, and stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, marble slabs in abundance. Now, this was for the house of God. And me personally, I I love to see the house of God flourish with things. You think about all the millions, the billions, the trillions that spent on casinos, sporting events, and stadiums. But something happens when the house of God is built in great ways. And I love it. And I know some people don't like that. But King David, his heart is that because he said there, I've prepared. I've prepared my heart for this. Verse 3. Moreover, because I have set my affection or I have set my devotion on the house of my God. I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, 
my own special treasure of gold and silver. Now, I want you to note David's words in here. He said, I've given over and above. And so David had given and given and given in life. And now he said, I'm going to give over and above. I'm going to give an addition to this. And he said, it's going to come from my special treasure. My own personal treasure. Better yet, on me and you's lines, I got a little nest egg. And so he said, it's because I'm doing this, my devotion or my affection was for the house of the Lord. Now again, through this, this series, we've, we've learned different scriptures. One there in Matthew 6, 21, it says, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. If we note that in David's light right here, you'll begin to see by following his treasure where his heart was. And before David became king, the Lord went to Samuel the prophet and said, I'm going to find for me a man that's after my own heart. That man ended up being King David. And maybe you've said that or maybe you've prayed that yourself in your life and said, Lord, I want to have a heart after you. I want a heart just like God's. See, it's one thing to say that and one thing to pray that. It's another thing to be it and to do it. And when I read the stuff that we're getting ready to read about King David, I realize real quick, that's why God said he would have the heart after his. So we pick back up here, keep reading, verse 4. He says, I gave 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir. You know how much that is? That's 112 tons of gold. Keep reading. And 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house. That is 262 tons of silver. Now I would say he gave lavishly. He wanted the house of the Lord to be unlike any other. And so my curious mind, I begin to add these things up. And you can find out to this day what it is for an ounce of silver, an ounce of gold. It's shocking. And so when you study this right here of what he gave, it was equivalent to somewhere around $20 billion with a B in our modern day society. He gave lavishly. And he said, because my affection is on the house of God. Keep reading verse 5. The gold for things of gold and silver for things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of the craftsmen. He then asked this question, who then is willing? He didn't ask who then is able, who said, who then is willing to what? Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? And so he's saying the way you consecrate your thing, or your, yourself to the Lord in this situation was, are you willing to give? Now, I can tell you this in my own life. I, I wish I would have got a hold of these things when I was a child or a teenager. You're never too young to get a hold of this. I, I believe when you're raised with this, you go through life and you never question what it is to willingly give to the Lord. Keep reading verse 6. Then the leaders of the father's house, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands, of hundreds, with the officers over the king's word, 
They offered willingly. They gave, listen for this, for the work of the house of God, 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron for a whopping 5,000 tons. Credible. Verse 8. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jeel the Gershonite. I want you to see that right there because, again, in their situation, they gave to the house of God, but it went into the hands of a mortal man. That's how God does stuff still to this day. Verse 9. After they gave, the people rejoiced. They didn't have giver's remorse. They rejoiced for they had offered willingly. Why? Because they had a loyal heart and they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David rejoiced greatly. So they gave freely. They gave wholeheartedly. And after they gave, they, they rejoiced. They said, this is incredible what we were able to do. Verse 10. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Now, this was one of the most grandest prayers in all the Old Testament. And it's interesting to me that after they gave lavishly like they did, they begin to praise God. They begin to rejoice. Now, watch, watch why they do this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth, it's yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor, they come from you. Now get that. Where did he say riches and honor come from? They come from God. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God... We thank you and we praise your glorious name. And he just given away $20 billion and he's saying this. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things or everything, it comes from you. And of your own hand, we have given you. You know what he's saying there? We've given you what you've given us. We were just stewards over it. Verse 15. For we are aliens, pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers, our days on the earth are a shadow and without hope. Now when it says we're aliens and we're pilgrims, some translation says they were visitors or strangers. Some say they were sojourners. Some say they were transients. What does all that mean? Well, I believe he's saying right here that David recognizes in his life that me and you are going to live on this earth somewhere around 70 years. And so when I look at 70 years, the older I get, I realize when James in James 4 verse 14, he said, life is but a vapor. You're here and then you're gone. And when you start getting older, you realize how fast the life is. That I am just a sojourner. I'm just passing through. I'm not a, I'm not a citizen of this earth. I live in this earth, but I'm on my way to heaven. And so literally, when you see all that they gave, King David would probably never experience going into that temple because he would be dead before it be done. But he said, my affection was on the house of the Lord. So literally what he's telling me and you 
is make our days count we're here on the earth. Do things while you're here on earth that will impact heaven. Do you know the only thing that will be in heaven? Is people. You're not going to get to take your, your, your most fun shoes. You're not going to take that new watch, okay? You're not going to take the things of this earth. So really, in this situation, I believe the Lord is saying, why don't we focus here on earth the saying, how much of heaven can we populate? Now, years ago, I was around an older pastor in Southern California, actually San Bernardino, very poor area of San Bernardino, right off of I-10. He's, he's spoken to my life several things that I've never forgotten. And that day, I was around him. He was telling me that it was not uncommon for them to have over 20,000 people come to their church on the weekend. When you saw the people that were coming in there, he had such a variety of people. He had a lot of different people, but a lot of poor people. And he said to me, he said, we literally have hundreds that give their life to Jesus on the weekends here. He said, we have hundreds that get set free. And he said, in my church, he said, I have a man and a wife. They own almost all the, the theaters in Southern California. He said, I have a man that is a sports, a professional sports agent. He started naming all the guys this guy was the agent for, one right after the other. He said, I have Hollywood composers. I have this one and this one. And he said, they don't sit on the main floor of my services. He said, they sit up real high in that balcony. And he said, they sit up there and weep when they see all the people come to know the Lord every weekend. Because they realize they've been put in position on this earth. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Won't it be fun when we get to heaven when you look at people and say, because you gave, I'm here. Won't it be fun to have people look at you and say, you did something while I was a teenager and the reason I'm here is because of you. This is exactly what David was talking about here. Verse 16, O oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we've prepared to build you a house for your holy name, it's from your hand. And is all your own. See, that's what we got to realize. It's all God's own. And so everything that is, exists, it's from God. We just get the privilege to administrate it. Let me give you a little, little phrase here today. God has delegated the stewardship of this earth, the earth's affairs, into mankind's hands. And he said, here. Now let's see what you're going to do with it. Keep reading verse 17. I know also that my God that you test or you examine the heart. And have pleasure or de de delight in the uprightness or the integrity. As for me in the uprightness of my heart. I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart toward you. You know what he's saying? Lord, my prayer is for all the generations to come. Forever, 
Let this get in our hearts. To learn to give lavishly, even over and above. Now, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And I want to get into some, a passage here this morning that I believe will really, really help us in this. Luke chapter 9. Begin with me once you get there, and we'll start in verse number 10. Luke 9, 10. And the apostles, when they returned, they told Jesus that they had, what they had done. And they took and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethesda. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and received them. And they spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he healed all those who had need of healing. And then when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there are about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. He said, man, Pastor, you read that fast. I did. Real fast, intentionally. And the reason I did that is because I looking at this passage and I realize the only way me and you are going to get this is to put ourselves in the story, okay? So understand this today. You're in the story. You're one of the 12 disciples. And it said in the beginning that they came to hear the kingdom of God. They heard the Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. And so we're here in the kingdom of God. But it also said... That he healed everyone that needed to be healed. So we get to witness that. Powerful. But then in verse 12 it says the day begins to wear on. So we're sitting there and we're thinking, man, it's Sunday. It's, it's lunchtime. Does Jesus not know that the NFL pregame's on? And the day keeps wearing on. And man, my stomach and your stomach starts growling. And all of a sudden it starts getting before sunset. And we think, does Jesus not know? Sunday nights are family nights. Sunday nights are football nights. And on top of that, I'm really getting hungry. And if we don't do something pretty quick, all the restaurants are going to close down. So we read again there in verse 12. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they go into surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. So Jesus looks at me and says, I can tell you're really concerned about the people. We say, We're really concerned about them, Jesus. But am I really concerned about the people, or am I really concerned about me? I'm really hungry, and we've been here all day. So look at verse 15 now, or verse 13. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, when I begin to read this right here, I think, we're with Peter. And Peter's got this problem. He speaks before he thinks. So I know Peter will tell him what I'm thinking. I won't have to do it. And so Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Now, we're in this, remember. Keep reading. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. So literally, my translation here is we've got five rolls and we've got two fish sticks. And Jesus said, you feed them. 
Now, I don't know when Jesus said that he's, he's wanting to let me and you. It's not to know. It's not so much about how much you have. The question is, are you willing to give it? And so he said, you feed them. Now watch this in verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men. And let me help you do a little math right here. 5,000 men. If those 5,000 men were married, now we're at 10,000. And if those 10,000 uh, uh, couples or the 10,000 people, they have one children, now we go to 15,000. And if they got two children, we go to 20,000. If they're like Warren and Stacy, with nine children, we really jack on up there. So Jesus says, you feed them. And so we look at Peter and say, he, he's, he's messed up. He didn't understand. He misunderstood what we said. Does he not realize you can't feed 20,000 people with five rolls and two fish sticks? So look what happens next. For there are about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. So the first miracle would be, can we feed 20,000 people with five rolls and two fish? But even more of a miracle than that would be for us 12 to get 20,000 people to sit in groups of 50. Could you imagine doing that? Oh no, I don't sit with him. I sit with this one. I sit. Now, I want to show you some things here that you'll begin to see in this. As we keep reading. And they did so. And made them all sit down. Even though it didn't make sense to anything that Jesus said. They still obeyed. Isaiah 119 says. If you're willing and obedient you'll eat the good of the land. If you're willing... And obedience, you'll eat the good of the land. So no matter how crazy it seemed to these guys, they went ahead and get them into the groups of 50. Verse 16. Then Jesus took the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. They give the, the, the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. He takes it. He blesses it. You know what that means? He literally says, Father God, I thank you for this. After he blesses it, he breaks it. And then it says, he gave it back to me and you. And he said, now you go feed the people. Now, you know what? When I read this, we got issues. I can't even lie. We got huge issues. Now, you know what we got? We got 10 little bitty rolls. Now, we don't have two fish sticks anymore. We got four fish nuggets now. We give it to Jesus. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives it to me and you and says, now go feed the people. Understand this, that any time that Jesus blesses what we give him, it now has the potential to multiply. And so Jesus blesses it and he gives it back to them. So he gives it back to me and you and it could be very easy for me to look and say, Hey, Peter, he's crazy. 
We can't feed 20,000 with this or even more so that he blesses it, breaks it, gives it back to us and says, give it to the people. But instead of giving it to the people, we eat it. We never do anything with it. So what happens? We eat our seed. We eat what he's given us. So again, begin to understand this. The miracle that takes place here didn't happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in the people's hands when they took what Jesus gave them and they stepped out and said, all right, let's start giving everybody else. And so again, part of this ties in with the first fruits. Now we've talked about that for several weeks in, in uh, Exodus 13 and Exodus 23. It said the first fruit and the firstborn, they're mine. Father God says that. And so anytime we honor him with that first, something begins to happen, okay? The blessing is on the first one. Don't eat your first one, okay? Get that to Jesus. Now let me help you with this. I want to clarify some things. This is B-I-B-L. This isn't us, Seth, pastor, okay? In Malachi 3, verse 10, it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church. I didn't say that, okay? The word of God said, bring it all to the storehouse. So you know what that means? God has already delegated for me and you to where it's supposed to go. He didn't say, you take that tin and do whatever you want. What did he say? Bring it into my house that there may be food and resources. So it's not my job to say, okay, Lord, here's my 10%. I'm going to give half of it to the church and the other half I'm going to give to the United Way. You know why? The United Way doesn't have the ability to bless it. Only Jesus does. So are you saying, Pastor, you're against the United Way? I'm not against the United Way at all. He said, where have you robbed me? In tithes and in offerings. So my tithe is to go to the house of God. This is why this isn't popular for preachers to preach on it. But my offering is anything over and above that. Now, I'm going to take you back to a couple areas in times in my life here. Anybody that's ever given for a long period of time in their life, they can probably list probably about three major times in their life when they saw incredible things happen. In my life, I'm, I'm young. Me, me and Shelly are young, 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 young. We're so poor, we can't even pay attention. I know what it's like to live on bologna and peanut butter and jelly. There was a time in my life that I had peanut butter and grape jelly, peanut butter and strawberry jelly, peanut butter and black butter. I, I thought where I couldn't even stand to be around it. We had it so much. But we started looking at our life and we started reading the scriptures and we saw what God said about giving. And we said, we've got to start honoring God. We got to step out by faith. And it wasn't, it wasn't like my feet was over there just a little bit. I mean, we were way out there. And at the time, my tithe was $72 a month. You can do the math. We start giving and we start giving. And at that time, we got a newborn. We're trying to pay rent, utilities food, gas, and there were a lot of months there was the temptation of take it, use it for this, but we kept giving, we kept giving. And so thank the Lord we had an older guy in the church who really began to coach us. And he said, you've got to have the heart of a farmer. What do you mean? 
A farmer knows that when he puts seed in the ground, the next day there's not going to be a harvest. The next week, the next month. You know, there's a lot of crops that will literally take a half a year for it to produce. So he said, stay with it, stay with it. And then he said this to me. He said, always tithe. Get seed in the ground every month because as long as you got seed in the ground every month, you're going to have a harvest coming up. So we begin to give and we begin to give. And we're like, Lord, you got to do something. You got to do something. Close to a year into that, I get home from work one day and Shelly said, hey, there's a lady that wants to meet with us. And so we're to drive to this such and such. We drive there and in, in the city I grew up, this was the, the 1400 block of Gidding in Clovis. It, it's about two blocks of old mansions. I mean, they're massive. So we pull up at this house and we're thinking, what in the world? So we go in and this lady looks and she says, sit down. And she says, listen, I'm divorced. She said, I'm fixing to leave the country for a year. She said, I'm needing someone to house set for me in this house. You don't have to pay for anything but your food. Would you be interested? I didn't need to pray. It's like, I'm interested. I'm, put me in. Put me in. Something happened during that time span. Something happened right there in our finances. We begin to see God move. Now watch what happens here. Back to verse 16. Then Jesus took the first five loaves, or took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed, broke them, gave them to the disciples, and set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and the twelve basketfuls of leftover fragments were taken up by them. So the disciples obey. Jesus blesses it, gives them back to them, and they go and feed the multitude. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this or not. How many basketfuls of fragments was left over? Twelve. How many disciples are there? Twelve. So you know what happens right here? It is literally Luke 6, 38, that they saw that when they gave, it was given back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And so these 12 disciples, as they stepped out and gave in faith, even though they didn't understand it, even though they didn't have enough, or they didn't think they had enough, they got to go home with a doggy bag. They were blessed. See, again, when I give God that, it has the potential to multiply with him. Ooh, Pastor, you, you are preaching incredible. Go to Matthew 25. I, I don't know if I get more excited about this than you guys. Man, I get excited about this because, listen, I will tell you right now, I don't preach on anything I don't do, okay? Man, I'm telling you, my life is a journey now in the area of giving. And I, I have adventures far better than Peter Pan ever thought about having. Yeah, unbelievable. We hit Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven, now get that. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country called his own servants. And he delivered his goods to them. This is talking about the Lord Jesus. And he's telling us how the kingdom of God operates. And he gives to his servants. Guess who his servants are? Me and you. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what is the job description of a servant? To serve. And if you'll note at the end of verse 14, he said, he delivered his goods to them. Jesus gave us his goods. Verse 15. 
And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each one according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey, went to heaven. But if you'll note in that, everybody was given something. Everybody. Everybody was given something. Either five, two, or one, but they were given something. Verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each one according to his own ability, immediately went on a journey. Then he had received the five talents, went and traded with them, and he made another five talent. He did something with it. He didn't just maintain. He increased. And likewise, he had received two, gained two more. But he had received one, went and dug in the ground, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, I got to fill you in with something here. This is talking about the second coming of Jesus. And he's going to settle accounts with his servants. And that's me and you, okay? This is going to happen to every one of us. Every one of us in this room right now. Keep reading. So he had received five talents, came and brought five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me to five talents. I've gained five more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And so the Lord applauded because he had increased. He had done something. Keep reading. And he had also received two talents. Came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent. What was he afraid of? You know what I believe he was afraid of? He wouldn't trust what God said for him to do. And when I don't trust God, I won't step out in faith. And every one of us, it's a faith issue. And so this guy right here, instead of stepping out and living by the word of God, what God said, he said, I went and hid your talent. In other words, I didn't do nothing. Look, there you have what is yours. Now, I want you to highlight that. It's God's. And he said, look, there it is. Here's yours. Verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, those are interesting words to me. That because this guy didn't do anything, he said, you wicked and little lazy rear. And these are strong words. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and you gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought, now listen to this, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and my coming I would received back my own interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Do you know what he's saying? If I can't trust you in this area, I'm going to give it to the one I can trust. And, And this falls back to he has delegated the authority of stewardship Right here on earth, the affairs to mankind. Is this fun to read? Not all the time when I read that stuff. But again, am I willing and obedient to do what he's asked me? 
Now, too many times, this is what happens to us as, as human beings. We trust man. We trust our job. We trust our parents more than we trust God. And in this situation, will it take a step of faith? It'll take a step of faith to get out and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you. Now, I'm going to give you one more, one more illustration in my own life. We had been tithing at our church for years and years and years and years. The church really began to grow. We needed a whole new building to house all the young ones that were coming in. It wasn't uncommon for us to have 500 teenagers on a Wednesday night. Just crazy good. Seeing young people serving God. So in order to do it, they were having a stewardship campaign. And no, I'm not starting a stewardship campaign. Easy, okay? Relax. But they asked us to do something over and above our tithe. They said, you keep honoring God with your tithe, but we're going to ask you to pray. What can you do to impact the kingdom of God right here? Well, me and Shelly begin to pray. Man, God begin to stretch us. He began to stretch us. And he said, I want you to give over and above $150 a month. Well, he didn't take a calculator in me to figure it out real quick. For 36 months, that's $5,400. That was a lot of money to me at that time. And so we stepped out by faith and we began to do it. Halfway into that vow or that pledge, we started this church right here in Lubbock. So you know what we thought? Well, I don't go to that church in Clovis no more, so I'm done with that pledge. I'm over. But the Lord said, oh, no. Oh, no. You made a pledge. You made a vow. And you're going to stay with it. And so we kept on and we kept on and we kept on it. And in that time, we saw God do incredible stuff. We begin to understand the significance of stepping out by faith at times. And I'm, I'm not playing off you. I'm telling you the truth that you've got to get to a place in your life where you understand, i got to give because if I don't, guys, I'm in this circle. I keep going around this circle. I'm on a carousel. And you're not going to get off the carousel until you start doing things differently. Will it be a step? It'll be a great step of faith. And anybody in this room that ties and have honored God for a period of time, they'll tell you it'll be a step of faith. But I can tell you stories after stories about how God blessed us. There was one time in our life that we had needed a new refrigerator. Everywhere we had gone, refrigerators were crazy high. You thought they were laced with gold. I was like, oh, no. A guy at work said, have you ever been to Goodyear? I said, genius, I need a refrigerator, not tires. He said, no, go to the Goodyear down on Main there in Clovis. We walk in. I said to the lady, do you have refrigerators? She looks at me like I'm stupid and says, no, we've discontinued doing that. And then she said, wait just a minute. She runs to the back and she comes back out and she says, there's a refrigerator back there that's still in bubble wrap. You want to come see it? And I said, I'd love to. We go back there and look at it and she said, I'll sell it to you for this amount. It was like $300. It was the refrigerator of the year. That refrigerator's still in my house. That was 30 years ago. I can tell you story after story about how God has blessed us. And so again, listen guys, don't do this unto me. You got to be biblical. You got to see this. And this is one of the areas the Lord said, you speak on it. And don't be shy about it because the thing is, God wants to bless you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.